<laughs> I did go to Reno. I was underage though, so like, it was no fun. We went to watch a movie. Good times. Good story. Good story. <laughs> you drove to Reno to watch Reno Trip Report. We went to see Some <laughs> of All Fears. It was 2002. Hello, it is Friday, August 26th, 2016, and this is episode 22 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. With me is Kyle Askin. Howdy. Uh, so we have some news to get through. Uh, not a whole lot going on, although I guess arguably a lot to talk about with no real results, which I feel like has happened a couple times on the show. Uh, the first thing, kind of just wrapping up the latest of the city news is that the city within the last couple of weeks uh, was supposed to vote on a plan to dissolve the water utility. And the idea or the, uh, the reason for that is that they're supposed to have a plan to do that by September 15th or else they're in violation of the terms of their bridge loan from the state. And, this is actually the fourth time that this has gone in front of the city council. They've never been able to get it done, either because it gets postponed or it fails. And yet again, they could not get a majority to agree on a plan to dissolve the water utility. Uh, I think basically the idea is that they're going to try to bring the water utility into the government, uh, which I guess would create revenue for the city. And... Uh, they couldn't do it. It was a complete deadlock, four votes in favor, four against, and one abstain. Uh, and so the problem that this creates, even though September 15th is still a few weeks away, is that they only have one meeting scheduled between now and September 15th, and they need to approve it in one meeting and then vote to adopt it in a second meeting. So they need to have two meetings in that time, and they don't have two meetings scheduled. So unless they... First, get a majority, and second, schedule an emergency meeting. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So uh, there's a Christian Hetrick, Press of Atlantic City article that summarizes this whole thing much better than I just did, and I'll link to that in the show notes, but definitely seems like a bit of a problem for the city. And so what's the end and uh, result of this if they can't get it done? Basically, if September 15th rolls around, the state would be within their rights to tell the city that they have to pay anything that has come to them from the state uh, back to them immediately. So basically, so far they've gotten $13 million of the bridge loan. If they get anything more between now and September 15th, they would have to pay all of that back. Uh, and obviously that would create huge, huge problems for the city. So definitely not the best news if you're... Uh, hoping for this bridge loan thing to work out and hoping for all of this to go forward and be the solution to Atlantic City's problems. Uh, I know Don Guardian, the mayor of Atlantic City, said that this thing is terrible, that they couldn't get this done. It makes the state takeover significantly more likely. Uh, obviously, if the state's goal is to take the city over, they're not going to be too lenient on this deadline. So I don't know if you have anything to add about the state city failing to do this, but it certainly doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem great. 
Um, but I'm going to just stick with my story from last episode and say I'm not really going to comment too much on any of this stuff until something actually happens. I mean, there's plenty of time. I mean, I know they don't have enough scheduled meetings to take care of this, but they can always get together and do it if they really need to do it. And if they don't do it, we'll see what happens, but I don't have much to say until something actually happens. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you sort of impress the dire nature of the situation on everyone, and what do you know, suddenly you've got a majority, and you schedule an emergency meeting, and you get it done. So, as much as this seems very dire, I'm not going to totally, you know, sound the the death bells of <laughs> of this bridge loan yet. Uh, some other city news, sort of, uh, is that they've announced a fifth Atlantic City Beach concert. Uh, so... Originally, it was very country-focused, all of the beach concerts, and lately, uh, the most recent one before this was that they announced was uh, Blink-182, and so now they have announced a concert that is Belle, Biv, DeVoe, and En Vogue, so if you're into like early 90s R&B kind of music, <laughs> that's... Uh, what they're going for, I guess, it's very, very different than what the other stuff they've had. Jimmy Buffett, uh, you know, like Blake Shelton in the past and that kind of stuff. So definitely a different direction. And so that's just been announced, I think, for early September, like the week of September 22nd. So it's September 22nd, 5 to 9 p.m. is the concert. So extends the sort of summertime later. I think the Blink-182 show is actually... Uh, Labor Day weekend, so it extends that by a couple weeks, which is good for the city. Um, I don't really know much or have not thought much about Belle Biv DeVoe and En Vogue in years and years and years, but if you're interested in that, that is a beach concert that will be coming to Atlantic City. So by even knowing who they are, you have me beat, so I, again, don't really have too much to say about this. Okay. But I'm glad they're having beach concerts, and I hope it does well. Yeah, it seems like, you know, they were only sp- scheduled for four, and so it definitely is a good thing that they've gone above and beyond. Uh, this is part of a CRD, CRDA contract with Live Nation, where there's, they have a deal for four beach concerts per summer, I think, for the next couple of years. This will be the fifth, so seems like it's a success for everybody involved, so good to see that they're you know adding more to that docket. Uh, another thing that's been announced, actually was announced in June, but uh, the soft opening just started, is a thing called Escape AC, which is now in a soft opening phase at the Tropicana. Basically, uh, the idea is that you get put in a room with some either friends or random people who happen to buy into the same time slot as you, and it's some themed room, and you have a set amount of time to figure out your way out of the room. Um, I'm assuming there's sort of doors and keys and trickery and kind of like uh, brain teasery type stuff that you're supposed to figure out. I know that they have these in a few cities. I was in Charleston a few months ago, and they had it in Charleston. Um, the one in Atlantic City is right now the only thing open is the poker room themed uh, room. It's $30 per person. The times are 6.30 and 9 p.m. every weekday and then 4 p.m., 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. on weekends. When it's fully open, they're going to have a casino cage theme, a backstage theme, which I'm assuming is concert related, and a boardwalk theme. So this is something that is another non-gambling attraction. It adds something to Atlantic City. I actually mentioned after going to Tropicana that I thought they are 
the best option on the boardwalk as far as a full resort offering things more than just gambling um, with the quarter, with restaurants, with clubs. And this just gives them yet another thing that I think people are going to be interested in. I mean, hopefully it does well and, and people are excited about it. I haven't heard a whole lot about it except for just the couple of press releases that they've sent out. So maybe that's not a reason for optimism. Um, I mean, would you have any interest in doing this sort of escape game thing for an hour uh, on a, like a Friday or Saturday night? I'd probably, for one thing, I'd probably guess it's probably closer to like a half hour time limit. I think that's more the norm for these kind of things. Uh, these these are very popular. They're they're all over the place. I mean, I just went to Ocean City, Maryland, not to be confused with Ocean City, New Jersey, uh, a couple weeks ago, and they have one that's like right near where we always stay. Um, I've never done one personally, but it it seems like the kind of thing that would be up my alley. I mean, I've certainly played the the phone version of this game uh before so yeah i mean it's interesting would i do it in atlantic city like maybe not in atlantic city because i go to atlantic city for other reasons but yeah if you're there with your family or whatever it it seems like a good thing to do yeah i kind of like that it's it's an interesting attraction it's actually getting done um i'm assuming the sort of budget required for this type of thing is not as big as like the polar coaster or Rebel. <laughs> yeah, and if, you, and if you've got the space, I mean, the expensive thing is the real estate, and Trump probably has a bunch of space they're not using to do anything, so there's no reason not to do it. I mean, it's probably a nice little profit center for them. Yeah, so if anybody goes to this thing and does the soft opening, we'd love to hear about it. Obviously, you know, don't give away the secrets of the room or whatever, but um, just let us know if it's fun or not. I've never done any of this stuff. Uh, I don't really even sort of know what to expect as far as what it's going to look like when you walk inside or, you know, is it just like you're trying a bunch of keys or is there some sort of crazy puzzle you have to put together? Yeah, it's like a logic puzzle more, I think. So, I don't know. I mean, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is something that, like, the general idea interests me. I just have never done one. Yeah, so if you go, send us an email or post it on the Facebook group and, and let us know how it is and if it's worth going to, if it's worth taking some time out of your AC trip to go do that. Uh, and at 30 bucks, you know, that's not too bad for, for a little bit of entertainment given. Yeah. I think cost. that's, 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 that's about the norm for this kind of thing. 25, 30 bucks. Yeah. So let us know if you go. Uh, the other big, more macro news is that Atlantic city casino profits were up 21% in the first half of 2016. I think we talked about this after the first quarter. Um, or no, we talked about it at the end of 2015 when they announced that basically all the remaining brick and mortar casinos posted profits for 2015. Now we hear that for the first half of 2016, they're actually doing even better than 2015. Uh, it's the highest six month increase since 2010. The, Profits, uh, every casino profitable. Borgata obviously made the most money uh, at $106 million, which is up 27%. Harris was second with $57 million, which is actually a 3% decrease. Uh, Caesars, again, uh, a little bit down, like down a fifth of a percent, but $36 million. And then, you know, I won't go through the whole list, but otherwise, everybody else is up, uh, you know, up even from their previous um, amount. And Taj 
is up infinite because it posted a $9.6 million loss in Q2 of 2015, and it turned in a $2 million uh, profit in the first half of 2016. So what this means, I think, like my sort of takeaway from this is that we have yet another profitable casino closing. Um, Showboat, I think, was the notable previous one that was making a profit before it closed in 2014, and now the Taj, which... Uh, clearly has made money in the first half of 2016, although not a significant amount, is slated to close on October 10th. So uh, just one thing real quick, I mean, in defense of, of Coral Icon, is that the the rules, I mean, the uh, the employment structure that it was profitable under, sort of not paying towards employee health care and stuff, it seems like that, that was not going to happen going forward. And I suspect that Doing that for however many thousand employees would eat up that two million dollar profit pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean when you're talking two million dollars over six months, yeah, it's not a and yeah any a ton of money for right any increase in your staff uh, costs is definitely going to eat that up real quick. So certainly that's certainly not to say that they're going and, to be profitable long term, but uh, and also I I will just say that I would imagine. You know, I haven't looked, you know, super hard at these numbers, but I would guess that Q2 and Q3 are like leaps and bounds better than Q1 and Q4 for the casinos. So turning a small profit in Q2 probably means that you're not making money over the whole year. Right. I mean, this includes Q1, so it includes the, the uh, sort of rough. Oh, no, this is Q2. The two no, this is just, just Q2, right? So, so it's over yeah. three months. I mean, $2 million over three months, not six months. But, um, but you know that they just get killed probably in Q1 and Q4 because no one's there. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing that they couldn't work something out. But, again, I mean, we see that the profit is not huge. You know, when you're talking Borg making $106 million, Resorts is the only other casino under 10 for the quarter, and they're making – they made 5.7, and that's a 26% increase for them. So, you know, things are, are looking decent, I think, for resorts as far as just the trajectory and everything. You know, I think we talked about the same exact thing in 2015. Like, there's just, you're not getting excited about this, you know, infinite gain. Even though it's going from a loss to a win, it's just hard to get excited about it because it's an amount of money that can get wiped out by by bad luck, basically. it's It seems like it's probably within sort of the standard deviations of, of what you might get in, in your gambling take. So right. not, I mean, also this being, you know, just to give some, some background to this, uh, long, long before we had the podcast and even before we had the do for a win, uh, address, uh, URL, me and Craig would track the revenues, the gaming revenues for the casinos, which we actually haven't done in a few months, but, uh, we had a spreadsheet or we still have a spreadsheet with everything, um, and personally, I mean, as someone with an MBA in finance, I know that there's a lot of stuff that goes into profit that makes that a bit less of just an interesting number to just look at because, you know, so many other things can affect it. So for me to really feel like super comfortable about this, I'd have to go into all the financial statements and kind of look at every casino and see what makes sense to me and what doesn't and like how well these casinos are really doing. Cause I, I don't know what these numbers mean. I mean, they might, 
mean what they seem like they mean, or they might not. I'm not really sure without doing more work. Yeah, so this is based on what, like earnings before interest, tax, debt, and appreciation. Uh, is that well? No, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I think it's probably profit, which is the bottom of the income sheet. EBITDA is much higher up. Uh, just looking to see if I can confirm. I don't see anything about that, but I mean, it could, it could be EBITDA or EBIT, but uh, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't see anything saying. But but, but I mean, even, even still, I mean, there's still some some anomalies that if you actually look at someone's someone's income sheet or whatever, could could come up. Yeah, and there's You'd be like, oh, that's weird that they're putting all this money into that or whatever. Yeah, and there's also sort of like wiggle room within the accounting. Um, you know, you, I wouldn't be that surprised if Carl Icahn does not agree with this number. I mean, as far as uh, saying, like, actually, we're not profitable, like, you hear that semi-regularly. Well, these are probably the numbers that they submitted to the state of New Jersey, right? Right. But that doesn't... Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> That's not necessarily, like, the whole truth, right? Um, I mean, you hear that, not that you know, sports teams are publicly traded or have to post their earnings or anything. But a lot of times you hear sort of sports teams finagle things in a way that they claim they're doing much, much worse than they actually are, especially if they have to do some sort of collective bargaining coming up. And they're like, even when all the data seems to point to the, to like revenues being insanely high, they're like, actually we're losing a ton of money. Um, I I mean, that's harder to do when you have to file a bunch of public reports, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if you asked Carl Icahn, like, explain to me why you're closing if he painted a very, very different picture than this, like, $2 million, <laughs> up $2 million instead of down $9.6 million in Q2 2015. Um, but that's all pure speculation that I probably shouldn't be getting into on the podcast. Uh, any other thoughts about general revenue stuff? I mean, most of it's kind of what we expect, right? Like, Caesars... Uh, not Caesars, Borg number one, Ayers number two, Caesars number three, like that's all totally to be expected. Um, I don't think there's any real surprises here uh, at all to speak of. I mean, Borg up 27% is surprising just in that you'd think at some point they'd sort of hit a plateau, right? (laughs) Like at what point can you not make any more money? And they clearly have not hit that point. Um, Maybe MGM will find a way. (laughs) <laughs> to make that happen, but boy, they sure seem to make a lot of money. And, and I mean, they've had one of their best months ever just recently. Um, in I think in the month that Taj said they were going to close, Borg posted, I think it was over $80 million of gaming revenue, which was their best month of all time, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that place just prints money. While you were talking, I went, I actually looked at all of the income statements on the state of New Jersey's website, and the numbers you reported are not Q2 profits. They're actually the profits for the whole first six months of the year, which is actually a bit more positive, I guess, mm-hmm. for all the casinos than than if they were just Q2 profits. And also, it it is sort of the gross profits, so that is essentially EBITDA. Okay. So... Just just to clarify that, um, just to sort of go back to my old finance days, too, because even though I have an MBA in finance, I still do IT stuff. Uh, so moving on to a casino that is not in the revenue lists, 
because it is not open, and we don't know if it will ever open, <laughs> is The Revel. So the sort of shocking news that came across Twitter this past week was that Revel had to go through, or Polo North, I guess, that is Glenn Straub's company, had to go through a process where they had to get a new site plan approved by the Casino Reinvestment Development Authority. That was scheduled for just, I think, a little over a week ago. And the CRDA basically punted on it. Like, they said, eh, like, we're not so sure about this. I guess they had some concerns about the traffic plan and how it would change because they're putting in those ropes courses where the uh, valet used to be. And so they did not approve it. They didn't, you know, reject it, but they just basically said, no, like, come back to us later. And basically this is going to push everything back until, like, late September at the earliest. Uh, so just because of the timing of the meetings and everything. So after that meeting... Glenn Straub was asked, you know, if he's still going to try to open, if he's still dedicated to opening, and his quote was, to hell with that. I've got other things to do. I don't, I don't have time to be screwing with this stuff, uh, which sounds very much like he's giving up, right? But uh, just a couple of days later, he – so that's an Aaron O'Neill article in on NJ.com that I'll link to. You can see all his quotes. He says other stuff also but seems very pessimistic about everything. Uh, just a couple of days later, Nicholas Huba from the Press of Atlantic City posted an article saying that Glenn Straub now says he's going to open by October – or by the end of 2016. Um, so there's been some talk about October 1st, NJBiz.com. Um, Andrew George posted an article saying uh, – he was shooting for an October 1st soft opening. Uh, so it's very much mixed messages coming from Glenn Straub and Revel. Certainly they're not where they want to be right now with uh, these lack of, of uh, approvals everywhere. But uh, the tell the with it certainly seems to be a sort of heat of the moment thing where he's not totally serious, which I kind of would have guessed. Um, so... I've been sort of optimistic about Revel this whole time and have been proven wrong every time something comes up. Uh, where are you at? Are you still thinking, like, this is going to happen? Are you becoming more and more pessimistic? Where are you at? Uh, I'm, I'm still fairly pessimistic. I don't think it's going to open in October, but... but well, all right. Let me say I, I don't think it's the right thing to do if they open in October. Uh, who knows what, what Glenn Straub's going to do. Um, he seems like he's saying he wants to open it, and he might not necessarily care if it's the right or most profitable thing to do. So I, I'm not really sure, but I am thinking more like spring 2017. Yeah, it's just really hard for me to justify this in my mind. Um especially if it's not going to be fully fleshed out. Like, why are you going to open and pay a bunch of staff and have all these expenses when you know you're not going to really get a ton of revenue because it's well after the peak season? I mean, it'd be one thing if he was saying it's going to be this totally different resort experience, which obviously he's claimed it's going to be in the long run. 
But right now it seems like, you know, we haven't heard a lot about restaurants. The Even the stuff that he says he's going to have is not fully completed, like the ropes courses and crazy stuff like indoor cycling tracks in the parking garage and others, you know, water park and, a, and an obstacle course. Like, it's one thing if you're going to open something that is you can sort of present as this totally full experience that doesn't really matter if it's summer or not. Even that, I don't think it's the best idea. <laughs> but if you're going to open something and say, oh, yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff that's coming soon, which is basically what we saw with Showboat, right? Like, they opened, they have, like, a couple of restaurant sort of bar options open and just very little else and rooms. Why open in October when you can just sit on it for another four months and not pay all these expenses or, you know, five months or six months and wait until March or April and open and be ready for the peak season? Like, that just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Yeah, I I agree, unless, you know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he really just wants to get it open for reasons unknown to me. I mean, it, it seems like profitability immediately, like if he's telling the truth and then he really wants to open it. I, I mean, I don't think that's at the forefront of his mind. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels to me like he just thinks, like I said I was going to open it in 2016, so I'm going to open it in 2016, which is probably boiling it down into much more simple terms than it really is but it just seems really weird like i can't find any justification for it in my mind other than that um so i don't know i don't know what the i mean unless he's got some like he mentioned subcontracting out the staffing unless he's got some contracts that start on a set date and he needs to start getting some revenue just to make that back. Like I can't really see a whole lot of reason to do this. Um, the other thing that came up about Revel is there's some talk of making part of it a timeshare. And so fantasy resorts, F A N T A S E A, which owns a couple other properties in Atlantic city says they're negotiating with Glenn Straub to take over some of the space in Revel. Uh, this is an Amy S. Rosenberg article from the Philly Inquirer. And basically, it seems like fantasy is very forward about this and saying, like, yeah, we're really like trying to make this happen. And Glenn Straub's kind of doing his typical thing uh, where he's saying, like, oh, yeah, we talked to everybody. <laughs> so, like, don't count on anything happening. Um, so Straub said... That they've been talking, so he did admit that they have been talking, which is, you know, something more than he has done in other occasions where people have been mentioned in uh, connection with Rebel. He said that they've been talking about 12 floors uh, that are actually unfinished in the Rebel Tower. I guess out of the 54 floors, 12 of them are not finished. So I guess the idea is that Fantasy would come in, uh, finish building these things out, and then they would have them as uh, timeshares, which... That's something that I think was uh, – I don't know if it's still really done in Vegas at all because I think the timeshare market's kind of crapped out. I mean I know there's definitely still timeshares in Vegas, but I think back before the crash, back before like 2007, 2008, there was much more talk about a lot of sort of mixed-use development where 
hotels would not just be hotels. You know, they'd be a hotel and a timeshare. They'd be hotels and condos or that kind of thing. So I don't know if they're kind of going for the same thing here. Um, I know MGM does in Vegas, they have, uh, some property where you can buy a timeshare and allegedly MGM will then manage it for you. So they're like, Oh, it's almost no work for you at all. Like you buy it. We like rent it out when you're not there. Um, and all that. And, uh, apparently the deal is actually that MGM doesn't like, that's their last priority, right? Like they want to rent out yeah. all their other rooms that are actual hotel rooms before they deal with that. Right. Yeah. They just talked about that on some other recent podcasts in the last, uh, month or so I'd say, but, uh, yeah, I'd say in general in Vegas, I mean, there's a lot more timeshares and a lot more sort of casino owned condos or just condos around than there are in Atlantic city. So yeah, it, it's a much more common thing in general in Vegas, I'd say. I mean, that was the whole, like, a lot of city center is, like, condos and timeshares and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea for Straub and that it sort of diversifies. It's probably not a bad idea and that it gets some people into Revel. It's, I mean, really, probably as far as the sort of niceness of the property, it's probably attractive to some people as as a timeshare or as even as permanent residents, although I, there's been no mention that they're going to go to, like, condo. I mean, not that condos would be permanent residents. It would probably be all seasonal, but uh, I think it does make some sense. It sort of diversifies the, like, room inventory a bit, which is probably good for everybody involved. But, you know, I also don't think that any of this is set in stone. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this totally falls apart and this is the last we hear of it. So just something that has come up in the news about Revel. Uh, but unless you've got anything else to add about Revel, I think we've sort of come to uh, the end of our news for for the week, the two weeks, uh, in short order. I think less than half an hour, we're kind of done. Yeah, just about half hour exactly, which is cool. I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to talk about, though. Like, uh, when are we going to Atlantic City again? So I've been pushing the first weekend in November. Yeah, the November... Like, 4th, 5th. 4th and 5th, yeah. Any thoughts? It's, defi- it's definitely possible. I, I think that that is probably a pretty good weekend for me to do it, and I think it's probably also one of the first good weekends for me to do oh, it. Oh, good. So, um, I mean, I, I am not 100%, but uh, if people want to start writing down a date in pencil very lightly... That's what I would do. Permanent marker. So, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would do pencil. But um, I think that's a good weekend for me. And we, we should probably maybe check with some of our other friends, too, and see if if they're going to be around. But I think that should work for me. So I've been watching the total awards rates like a hawk. Mm-hmm. And there was a little while where they were where Friday was comped at Caesars and Saturday was like reasonably cheap and now like Friday's $99 and Saturday's like 200 something so that kind of sucks yeah uh, well we can see what what happens because right now I think when I checked the weekend before that for me both are comp yes that is true the last weekend of October which is surprising because it's Halloween but yeah whatever. that's very strange um but yeah I got the same thing um I mean not just me comped but when I put in you as a companion <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh so the other thing I mean I'm getting 
starting in October, and I'm assuming this will carry over to November, I'm getting resorts comps on Friday. And so I was sort of thinking, oh, resorts would be fine. Like, it'll probably be cheap on Saturday. And so I was kind of thinking about, like, oh, you know, resorts does have good gambling. They've got $10 blackjack where the dealer stands on soft 17, which is nice. And they've got Royal Derby, which I like, even though you hate it, and other stuff that I kind of, you know, I do like the casino there. But when I actually think about, like, where I want to stay... Like, I definitely would rather, like, in my mind, I would much rather stay in Bally's or Caesars than resorts. So that's not a real good sign for resorts. And this is kind of the second time I've I've made that decision because when I went in uh, July, I think, with my wife, it was like, uh, we could stay in resorts for free or we could pay $150 and stay at Tropicana where we will actually be able to do more stuff. So, uh I guess that's kind of the battle that resorts is is facing and and why they have to give really discounted rooms because other people have so much more to offer. Other casinos have so much more to offer. But it is funny because I've said so many times, like, that free, that comp is such an allure. But at the end of the day, like, you know, maybe I'm maturing a little bit because I would rather pay, like, 100 bucks and stay at Caesars than and stay at resorts for free, which, you know, I like resorts fine, but the room just didn't, uh, didn't really cut it for me. Right. So, uh, uh, I mean, so you're, you're also Sunday through Friday resorts, right? Yeah. Well, at least we haven't gotten November, right? But September, October. Right. I think I might even in September only be Sunday through Thursday, but starting in October, uh-huh. it goes to Friday. Yeah, I know I'm September. I'm uh, sorry, Sunday through Friday, both resorts and trop. But I think through the end of October. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see, just in general, if we get are going to get Saturdays back starting in November. I doubt it, considering we haven't been in a couple months. Right. Uh, especially um, with Taj closing, like that's less room inventory in the city in general. I mean, Showboat has opened. But that's not. I think a lot of people are very focused on the casino uh, hotel properties. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's sort of a sense from resorts that they are maybe not so desperate to give away the rooms because now there's a big property that's right next to them that's closing and was huge and had a ton of rooms. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're not going to see sort of the same ease of comps at resorts. And that's actually something to talk about is that, you know, you may not say that, see the same ease of comps in Atlantic City or especially on the boardwalk in general, just because now there are a couple thousand fewer rooms uh, that are there that were pretty easy, easy comps to get. So something, you know, for me, especially as a low roller who sometimes usually only gets uh, like Sunday through Thursday or even Monday through Thursday and uh, if I'm sort of never getting any sort of Fridays or Saturdays at all, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. So I'm a little worried about that. I'll see how that goes. It doesn't really seem to have moved the needle on my total rewards, which I've been checking basically every day. Uh, you know, like I still get the same, like basically I get every weekday, Sunday through Thursday comped at one of the three total rewards casinos and then very few Fridays and no Saturdays, uh, you know, as far as like, and until 
as far as the calendar will will let me see, <laughs> you know, until next until the the peak season picks up again. So I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't sort of hurt us more, even more than it already. Well, not that it's really hurt us that much, right? Like Taj Mahal, we never went, but it's disappointing to see a casino closed. Yeah, no, it always is, even though Taj was kind of like our long-running joke on the show. Um, yeah, so I guess something else to, to talk about quick quickly is on Monday, I actually went to the Horseshoe here in Baltimore. And uh, just as a quick trip report, uh, instead of the usual $25 uh, pie cow poker and $100 tiles, they had $50 tiles instead. So I actually played some. And I ended up uh, 200 bucks after playing for about, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. And I went and played craps for another 15 minutes and actually won another $200 there in $25 craps, which is more expensive than I usually play. But, you know, I was already up a bit and I had to leave soon. So I decided just to cash in and stayed for two or three rolls and or two or three rollers and did all right. So and then I gave $100 back at the video poker machine walking out, but all in all, I was up a couple hundred bucks and honestly probably got a pretty good hourly rate while I was there. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very long time. So I, I know I told you earlier in the week to check and see if, if it looked like our rates were getting better because of that trip. And I think the answer is that they didn't change much probably because I just wasn't there very long. Yeah, I didn't see much of a change. Um, but some some sweet, sweet profit, as we say. Like, yeah, always nice it was good. To... It was it was, it was was uh, nice to actually have a winning session because it's so rare, or it hasn't happened for me for a while. Uh, you know, as you know, my last AC trip was an unmitigated disaster. So yeah, I feel like the... it was nice to go and like actually be like, hey, I can actually sometimes win. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, not our, not our last couple trips, but one before that. I think like last August. I really, like, I just every time I sat down, I was losing, and it was like I feel like I just need not even a winning trip, but like one winning session. Like I need to sit down somewhere and leave with more money than I sat down with, just to know that it is possible. <laughs> so especially mm-hmm. like over the trips, I I feel like the same thing. Like if you have a bunch of losing trips in a row, you sort of really need. Uh, the the combo breaker, if you will, like something to make you realize that it is possible to to go and win, uh, and just because it sucks, it kind of sucks the life out of you, right? Like when you every time you leave, knowing that you've lost, and it feels like you know that all. I mean, it is adding up, like <laughs> so that all adds up and kind of takes its toll on you and your excitement. And and I feel like one of the things that a couple of the other Vegas uh, other Vegas the Vegas podcast this is not a Vegas podcast. Um, have mentioned is it seems like people have sort of, you know, not with real data, but have sort of made the statement that they feel like they they're losing they're losing more, uh, like more often they go and they lose and they don't win anything, and that they're losing their money faster. And I don't know if that's just confirmation bias, like oh I only remember when I lose and I forget when I win, or if it's that they you know things. That, you know, the rules are actually changing, the slot machines are tightening up, or if it's that, you know, as you go more often, you sort of naturally play for higher stakes, and then, you know, you're more likely to lose more than you used to if you're playing for higher stakes, Um, although you're also Mm -hmm. more likely to win (laughs) more than you used to, but I don't, I don't know, and I sort of, I sort of had a similar feeling, I was like, yeah, I do feel like I'm losing more 
lately when I go. So I went back and I looked at my like list of trips and uh, and I realized like no that's not true at all. Like I I actually like yes I've had a couple losing trips or I've had, I had like three in a row but then I had the big winning trip where I hit the Royal Flush and like actually you know in the last few years I'm I mean I'm up because of the Royal Flush but my sort of like wins and losses are pretty like there it's pretty much a, what you'd expect like a natural like you win some you lose some you know none of the other than the the big jackpot hand pay none of the wins were particularly huge and none of the losses were were all that huge so it's funny because in my mind I think like oh every time I go you know I lose a few hundred dollars but that's like the I have it written down that it's not true at all so it is interesting <laughs> that I I do think some of that is just psychological like you think you lose because you remember the losses like you get more annoyed about that right. than the wins yeah, no, you definitely remember the losses more than the wins. But yeah, I feel like uh, for me, like it's probably I'm higher variance than you, so I remember both big wins and big losses coming home from trips because I, I think I just do that more often. Where you're probably up or down a couple hundred bucks more likely. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean, like the the hand pay, like that's one of those rare sort of instances where you can bet a little bit of money and win a lot. So for the most part, my my trips are, you know, up and down, not very much because I'm a low variance player. So, yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't see big swings either way. And I'm fine with that. You know, I that probably fits very well with my personality is that, <laughs> in that I don't necessarily need those big swings either way. Uh, so thoughts on Horseshoe? Are you... I... What I... I... I don't know how much I've talked about a horseshoe, but it's it's all right. It's perfectly acceptable for a local casino. I mean, it's not the greatest place because a like I know I've mentioned this before, but like all of their restaurants seem to have pretty short hours. So like I've been there on weekends before, and it's like you can either go to uh, Guy Fieri's or one of the places in the cafeteria, which one of the places in the cafeteria is a different Guy Fieri's and their steakhouse and uh, Johnny Sanchez have been closed, which is annoying. So there's that. But also the limits are like a little bit high, especially on craps. Not It's not as bad for most of the other games. Uh, also, Pi Gal Tiles also has high limits, but most people probably don't really care about that. Um... I don't know. It's all right. I mean, it's it's a PR property, so that's nice in that I can, in my mind, at least affect my Atlantic City comps by going there, unlike Maryland Live, which I actually think is a bit of a nicer casino, but isn't affiliated with anything in Atlantic City. But it doesn't. It does. You don't at all feel like, oh, well, I can just go to Horseshoe and Maryland Live. I don't need to go to Atlantic City. Like you still no. feel the urge. And, and and we talked about this sort of. I don't know. 20 episodes ago. Uh, like for me, going to places like Atlantic City and Vegas, I mean, they're, they're certainly, you know, gambling is a thing that happens there and it's the thing that I spend the majority of my time with, but it's, it's more about like, you know, whatever. It's a trip to do with your friends and it's fun and, you know, especially now that we're a bit older, it's nice catching up with everyone because we don't necessarily see people as much as we used to back in college and when we were in our early 20s. So, it's more about that. It's not like I couldn't replace that with, with a local casino. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a casino that's that close where it's like half an hour or less away. Uh, you know, the closest thing to me is 
is Bethlehem Sands, which is still an hour and a half. I mean, it's a straight shot. Like, it's literally all on one highway. <laughs> and then, you, like, I, it takes me te- five minutes to get to I-78, and then Sands is, like, five minutes off of I-78. But it is, like, 90 minutes. Um, but I've never been. Like, I've never even really had that much interest. Like, I've never thought, like, oh, I've got five hours to kill. Let me go to the Sands. Um, part of that is that I never have five hours to kill because I have a toddler, but, uh, you know, even if it came up, I really don't think that it would really interest me that much. Um, although now that it's sort of in my head and like germinating, I may decide like, oh, I should really go and check it out. Um, I mean, I've I've certainly never had any real interest in going and seeing like Empire City and Yonkers or Resorts World in, uh, Queens, but... Hey, you, you wrote about Yonkers like three or four years ago on the site because it's, oh. it's pool tabs, right? It's not real slot machines. Yeah, Yonkers and and Resorts World, I think, are both the like bingo style slots. So yeah, um, I need to go to Delta Bingo and play the bingo style slots in Laurel, Maryland. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I which by the way, in case anyone's curious, Steve Wynn got his start in bingo parlors in Prince George's County, Maryland. Where I live now. So yeah, I mean, why isn't why isn't Delta Bingo <laughs> like the win Maryland now? Why hasn't that happened? Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't own one in Laurel, but uh, I just think that's super interesting. It makes me laugh when I when I see that. Yeah, it's one of those I always forget about it, and then I see it mentioned places, and I'm like, oh yeah, Bingo Parlors <laughs> in Maryland. That's really funny. Yeah, that's that's where you got to start. I guess I guess Bingo Parlors make decent cash, considering what. Yeah. Steve Wynn has done since then. Let me, let me tell you, the bingo parlor in Laurel does a business. It's so weird because I, you know, I grew up there and I never heard anyone talk about it other than just to like laugh at the fact that there was a bingo parlor, parlor right there. I mean, it has a crazy amount of cars in the, in the parking lot. And I mean, my wife's gone a couple times. I've never gone, but uh, she says it, it is quite busy in there. Is it? Heaven's waiting room, as they say, is everybody yeah, you know seventy five uh, yeah, or older. Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of old people. Uh, so, so that's the Maryland uh, Maryland podcast that you've just listened. To. <laughs> yes, uh, thank th- you for listening to our Casino Biz in Maryland podcast. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, one thing I just wanted to mention real quick about the Taj uh, that I can't actually even remember where I heard it come up. Um, if it was our friend Andy who mentioned it, I'm sure he'll verbally slap me in the face for not remembering, but um, just something that I saw come up about the Taj, I can't remember, I honestly can't remember, and it's killing me, whether it was on Twitter, whether I was talking to our friend Andy, or what it was, it was this idea that, you know, the Taj is huge, which we talked about on the last podcast, like, it's insanely large, and it feels very, like, everything sort of feels stapled together, like the the Spice Road restaurants, the, like, the casino area sort of feels separate from everything. You've got that chairman tower that doesn't even look like it's part of the Taj Mahal. Um, So the idea that I heard that I'm totally just going to present to you with no knowledge of where I got it was uh, splitting it up. So could you, instead of selling it off as a whole entity, could Carl Icahn say, okay, you know what, I'm going to sell off the chairman tower as its own sort of entity or like, you know, sort of a built in entity. And then I'm going to lease out the spice road and I'm going to lease out whatever other shopping area and the meeting rooms are going to sort of serve as a conference center and just sort of separate everything out and sort of build partitions in a way that it's basically this sort of separate thing 
Maybe there's a casino, maybe there's not, but just something to split it up and, and break it into pieces and maybe where the parts are worth more to Icon, at least, as far as, like, selling it than the whole. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Like, I don't know if, what the logistics of that would be. I don't know what the value for any of those things individually would be since, you know, everything in AC is so focused on, like, a total casino property, but... That is something that I thought was kind of interesting as sort of an idea to go a totally different direction. Like, could they sell small parts and find more investors than the very sort of limited investor pool who would be interested in saying, like, okay, I'm going to take over this big, ugly white thing and, and let's see what we can do with it. Uh, sort of trying to say, okay, well, you're only going to have to deal with this part. Like, what are you going to do with this one part of it? Or what are you going to do with this one tower? Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, that's sort of all speculation, obviously, but just something to think about as a possibility. My initial instinct is no. Well, that's no fun. Um, in, I, I think in a world or, or in a market that was much more interesting than Atlantic cities. I, I think it would make more sense. Like let's say it was on the strip or something. M maybe you could split it up into parts or, you know, section it off somehow because, because just the, the real estate is hot enough that that's a thing you can do. But in Atlantic city, there's, there's no appetite for building these sort of individual standalone properties that serve these like, uh, niches or just serve individual business functions. Like I think for it to make sense, you've, it's got to be a whole casino resort. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just there's no there's no demand for that in Atlantic City. There's 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 just I mean there's so much open property anyway that you can buy on the cheap. Like why would you? Like I I think for it to make financial sense, like I think having the entirety of the Taj makes it more attractive than if it was broken into parts. And it's just a function of of the market in Atlantic City, and just the glut of what's available, mostly. Right. Yeah, that's. Just I, I mean, to to attract people there, it, you need to really offer like the whole package of you know hotel rooms and casino and conferences for to get you know businesses in and you know food and everything else that goes along with with a running a casino resort. Yeah, well, hopefully, if somebody buys it, they actually put some more effort into all those things that go along with running a casino resort, <laughs> like right. like food and and other things, and maybe make it feel a little less uh, disjointed. Um, you know, speaking of disjointed, I feel like we've bounced all over the place here for the last forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of uh, perfect. Jumped all over the place, but. That's what we do. Yeah, you know, there's been no rhyme or reason for or or segue between any topic here, <laughs> but it's what, it's it's what the people like. Is it? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we'll hear maybe, different. Maybe, maybe. yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if they're still listening to us, I guess they have some appetite for it. Yeah. So, any any last thoughts before we get into closing? Any, uh, you know, November fourth? Are you are you ready to commit within the last ten minutes, Kyle? Do you um? Do you think that the whole sort of uh, dog and pony show over the last couple of years for the Taj has been some elaborate scheme by Carl Icahn to try to break the the union in in all of the casinos in Atlantic City? Like for Trop and Taj? Mm-hmm. That would be much more of a 
big sort of conspiracy. Uh, I think that's a longer con than I'm going to give him credit for. So, so just, just to follow up to the stuff we were talking about last episode, when I was, you know, we t- had a talk about the unions and I said that, you know, yeah, of course the union has, has quote unquote failed the people that work at the Taj by not agreeing to whatever Carl Icahn's demands are because they will now get zero dollars instead of whatever Icon was offering. And, you know, Carl Icahn even came out and said like, yeah, you need to let the members of the Taj like vote on whether they want to accept this or not, which is not in the best interest of the union. And it's not in the best interest of the membership of the union. But, but there was, um, someone posted on the Facebook group, uh, an interesting documentary about the rise and fall of Atlantic city that was shown on public television in New Jersey. And in it, they spoke to, uh, the union head, uh, whose name I can't remember now, but I can look it up down below probably. Cause we've talked a lot about him. McDevitt. That, yeah. Bob McDevitt. That's not right. Right. So, and he was talking about how, because of the nature of the deals with the casinos, basically, if the union agrees to something in one casino, like whatever the terms are, every other casino in Atlantic City can choose to basically use that contract instead of the contract they signed with the union. So obviously that makes it even more clear that that the union could absolutely never accept the Taj's deal that they were offering because then the other seven casinos in Atlantic City would just say, all right, that's your deal with us too, which is clearly not in their best interest because it doesn't have health care and some other stuff. Um, so I, I just think it's, it is interesting. And I kind of wonder if this was like the long game all along, because, you know, Carl Icahn said, he's going to, he's going to put a hundred million dollars into this. If this happens or that happens or whatever. And he kind of kept getting his way until basically the union agreed to sign this deal that he offered them. But that's not like, I don't think anything's changed really i mean he was he was having and hauling about north jersey casinos earlier in the year as a possible reason not to put the money into the taj that he said he would but like i don't think any of the, like the real underlying things have changed about anything except that the union wouldn't sign his deal yeah i don't know i, I don't know i just think it's interesting i'm not saying that that is what happened or that's not what happened but i just think it's an interesting thing to think about so I did actually sort of have a very brief thought about the idea that maybe his offer for Tropicana that was accepted, he kind of felt like, well, it doesn't really matter that much because my end goal is to get a cheaper offer or like a worse offer for the union at the Taj and then we'll get that most favored casino uh, clause and just use that to basically make that the off the deal that everybody gets. Um, but I sort of, I didn't really think that much about it or kind of figured that's probably way more sinister than, you know, Carl Icahn, fine, upstanding guy. You know, he wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, it, it's not like completely out of the realm of, of possibility. Right. I, I sort of feel like, it's more likely that he just feels like they're totally separate entities and he's going to operate them in the best interests of each other, regardless of both, well, like both of them together. And he's not really thinking about clauses and all that stuff, but that's probably not giving him enough credit for his business acumen. 
Yeah, I mean, he's certainly a smart guy. I don't think anyone would argue otherwise about that. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that it is what he did, but I think it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll learn more, hear more, whether the Taj closes or after the Taj closes, and there'll be some more clarity there. Maybe you'll be proven right, and you'll be able to say, like, I told you that's that was what he was doing. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I could be proven right, but... He would come right out and say it, Kyle. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, look, Carl Icahn is, like I said, a very smart man, and he has certainly made a name for himself by treating his investors very well and sort of treating the people in the way of his investors not quite as well. So I, I don't think it would be out of character for him to sort of play this long game, but I don't know. So should we go ahead and close this thing down? Yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Just wanted to throw my crackpot theory out there. No, it's it's interesting stuff. Uh, so just want to thank everybody who has been posting in the Facebook group. You can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win. Our website is doforawin.com, and you can go there to find the podcast episodes. You can find all the links to the articles that we mentioned in today's episode. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, other places where podcasts are listed. The Twitter is at do for a win, and you can send any questions you might have to do for a win at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you within the next couple of weeks. I don't think we've quite established when that's going to be, but, uh, yeah, we're still, uh, working on some stuff. I mean, just so you all know, I'm, I'm, I'm out of town on work from the third to the 10th, basically. So, we're going to try to record something special next week, but because we're really lazy, we have actually done none of the work for it, which I'm doing right now. So, so we'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll talk to you in a week. Maybe it'll be a little over two weeks, but either way, it won't be too long. Yep. Yeah. So good luck if you are headed out to Atlantic City or any other casinos. Uh, we'd love to hear how that goes for you, either via email or on the Facebook group, and we'll talk to you in a little bit. Yep. Have a nice couple of weeks, everyone. So I was talking to Andy today, mm-hmm. and all of our conversations lately have been about the same thing. Las Vegas? Just Las Vegas, and when are we going to go again? I was saying how, I was making some joke about staying at the El Cortez, because it was like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, I'd stay in Henderson and walk to the Strip, if that's what it took to get us to Vegas. I, I think that's a, the right mindset to be That in. is the right mindset.